We've been going through our identity series. This is sermon number 13 through the book of Colossians. Our challenge, of course, is to discover our identity in Jesus Christ. And as we bring this series to a conclusion, next week will be the second part of this message today, we're going to understand that the Apostle Paul gets very, very practical in this. In the 17th century, there was an English author named John Doan, and he wrote a poem and included this line. I think you'll recognize it. He says, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of a continent. This line was in the context of a much greater poem, which one phrase or one pose of it contains some other famous lines. I'll just throw that in just so you can see the context. He goes, any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never sin to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for you. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of a continent. You know, whatever else he was trying to illustrate with that, he was making the point that nobody is self-sufficient. Everybody relies on others. We see that this morning. We saw that in, in, in our testimonies this morning, in our, in our very worship, because this is very applicable to who we are in Jesus Christ and our Christian living. In short, we need, and we need to be, faithful friends. For the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a friend from the Christian point of view. Because we're created with the need for healthy relationships. We have to have relationships. Um, if we don't get them, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll seek them. And we'll, we'll sometimes seek them in, in places that we should not be. There are various levels of, of friendship. Um, psychologists and sociologists and all these other ologists um, come up with all these different levels. Some of them are four different levels. Some of them even come up to 12 different levels of friendship. Wow, how confusing can that be? As we try to figure out where do we stand with, <laughs> with one another? How do we figure out what level we're on? Well, fortunately, most of that we understand. It's intuitive. And we see that, um, that a good friendship, though, which is what we're going to be talking about today, a good friendship takes work. It takes practice. It takes initiative. Because it's very clear, as we get into this message today, that our very identity in Jesus Christ is reflected in the relationships that we have with one another. I'll say that again. Our very identity that we have with Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, is reflected in the relationships that we have with one another. All of our relationships then, as Christians, are different than any other relationship. It adds a whole new layer. I suppose that would be now 13 different levels <laughs> that, that we have as, as, as believers. And many of us enter into a church relationship thinking that it's like a club or that it's like any other relationship that we've had in the past. But it's totally different. And the Apostle Paul is going to give us some illustrations of that. Today's principle is Christian friends support one another. And the Apostle Paul had such support. Um, as I was um, reading and researching this, apparently there's more than 100 different individual Christians named and unnamed in the book of Acts and in Paul's epistles that he refers to. They're associated with him 
in his ministry. People he did not know before he came to know Jesus as his Savior. Amazing. I counted 35 friends that were named in Romans chapter 16 as he was concluding the book of Romans. And he also referred to several others, but 35 of them are by name. And as I mentioned before, we as believers in Jesus Christ have this new identity. This new, this new person that we have in our life relates to other people in our lives. And it becomes a whole new level and a whole new depth of friendship um, that with other believers. As Michael indicated in the baptisms last week, um, people who um, come to know Christ as Savior are now our brothers and our sisters. And so we treat them differently. Let me give you a summary of what's going on here as we conclude uh, the book of Colossians. Paul sent greetings to the Colossians from a place of confinement in Rome. He was under house arrest. He named and he commended friends who were with him. And some of them had gone through some very deep trials with the Apostle Paul. And by doing that, that they proved that they were, first of all, loyal to him, but actually, first of all, loyal to Jesus Christ, loyal to the ministry that, that the Apostle Paul had. Um, others were new friends. And in his closing remarks, he identifies several of these individual people by name. And, and as I approach God's word, and as you do as well, God puts things in his book for a reason. <laughs> and so, you know, many times we just read through these lists and we go, okay, that's fine, and then we move on. But as we look at it, we can learn many, many important examples of how Christian friendship is vital to you and me in serving the Lord. Before I do that, though, let's see how our identity in Christ is actually the beginning of it. And so we look at the book of John in chapter number 15. So if you have your Bibles, um, look up the book of John, chapter 15, and we're just going to look at verses 12 to 17 before we get to the book of Colossians. Because we must start, everything that we do in our life must start with a command from Jesus Christ. Because our relationships that we have with one another are based on our identity that we have with Jesus Christ, which is the whole subject of our series. So we found the passage, John chapter 15, it will be on the board as well. This is, my, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. So we see here that, that Jesus Christ starts off, as he's getting ready to leave, he starts off with giving them a command. It's not a suggestion, it's not a recommendation, it's a command to obey. And this command is an incredible command because it establishes the friendship, that, the, the, the relationship that we have with one another, which he calls friendship. And it's based on something. It's based on love. And that relationship that, 
that he has with you now moves to a new level, the level of friend. Amazing because, you know, we, we use the word friend quite <laughs> frequently in our lives today um, to the point where sometimes it gets watered down. So Jesus Christ shows us what he means when he says, I have called you friends. So the first thing I want to ask you before we get into this too much, Jesus Christ, I want to show you, Jesus Christ is the believer's best friend. It's a friendship that's based on two things. First of all, it's a friendship that's based on his sacrificial love for you. It's not a friendship that's based on, on, on uh, common goals. That comes later. It's not a friendship that's based on common um, likes or dislikes. That may come later. But it's a friendship that's based on a sacrificial love. He says in verse number 13, he says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And he's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to go and lay down his life for these people and for you and me. You know, 1 John chapter number 3 and verse number 16 says this. John, years later, writes this. He says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know, before we get too much into what it means to be a Christian friend, let me ask you something. Have you placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin? This is the Jesus that is calling out to us. He's the one reaching out to us. He died for you in order to redeem you. He died for you in order to reconcile you into a relationship with God. Listen, this is a, this is a true belief that the promise that God gives us will be fulfilled when you place your trust in Jesus Christ. In fact, trust and belief have always been the, the message of the Bible. Um, listen to what James 2.23 says about the blessings of simply believing. He says, James says this, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So first of all, we see here that this friendship that he's talking about, Jesus is your best friend because he gave his life for you. Let me encourage you to receive that free gift of salvation. And then secondly, it's a friendship that's been demonstrated by a whole new relationship with you. Look what he says in verse number 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. And this is the key. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known unto you. That's an amazing thing. You know how that's fulfilled? That's fulfilled when the Holy Spirit was given to believers. We now have the life of Christ dwelling within us. There's a key phrase that we've used many times throughout this series, Christ in you. God doesn't just save you through Jesus Christ and you go and live your life. He actually comes in and dwells within you. And if you know the Lord is your Savior, you are a miracle walking. You, are, you have the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling within you in the Holy Spirit. He has saved you. He's secured you. He's opened up your eyes to new truth. He's given you the power to witness. He's given you the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
So he's not just giving us commands, he's actually going with us. You know, we've been talking about missions quite a bit this last month. And I love the key phrase in the Great Commission when he says at the very end, he says to go and to make disciples. He says to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then he gives you a promise. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that's a, a marvelous relationship. So before we start thinking about the relationship that we have with one another, think about the relationship that God the Father has in us through Jesus Christ. Because the next question I want to pose to you, or the next challenge I want to show you, is that we should now be a friend of Jesus. Jesus is our friend, but the real question is, are you a friend of Jesus? Um, Look at um, verses 12, 14, and 17 of that passage of, of, of John 15. He says in verse number 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Down to verse number 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. What did he command you to do? Love one another. The two greatest commandments have been identified as love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and to love others. And so he says, that's the command, is to love. He says, you want to be my friends? Do what I've commanded you to do. Remember I told you that our... our, um, Our relationship with Jesus Christ is actually reflected in the way we obey that command with one another. Then he says in verse number 17, he says, these things I command you, that you love one another. Now that one commandment to love one another is going to have a whole lot of different implications. And so the friend of Jesus is going to obey that command. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The friend of Jesus, then, is going to experience the provision to obey that command. He gives you an amazing new love and an appreciation for other believers in Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says in verse number 16. He says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Whenever someone appoints you to do something, they give you the wherewithal to do it. And he says here that your fruit should remain, and whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now before you go off and say, wow, all my prayers will be answered and whatever, in the context of being his servant, in the context of being his friend, in the context of loving one another, he will answer your prayer. You know, it's amazing when we think about that. How do you respond to that kind of a relationship where he gave his life for you, where he's now not a distant historical figure, but he actually dwells within you? How do you respond to that? Well, in 1904, William Thompson expressed it so well in a hymn, and maybe some of you will know it. I will not sing it. I will, I will spare you that, but I will quote a couple of the verses from it. The name of the hymn is Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. When I am sad, um, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. 
Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now. I'll trust him when life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life, eternal joy. He is my friend. So with that thought in mind of having that basis of understanding that we have had a command to love one another and it's based on the friendship that we have with Jesus, the fact that he's our friend and now we are called his friends, we can now look at how do we relate to one another. So turn to Colossians chapter number four and let's have a look here at um, uh, how, that, uh, how that pans out. Because in our passage here with Paul's closing remarks, he shows us how Christian friends support one another. As we, we look at this, we're going to pick it up in verse number seven, and we're going to just read to the end of the chapter. And um, I think you'll pick out the, the, um, uh, the, the keys um, as, we, as we go through it. So this is the, the end of the, um, the chapter, and starting in verse number seven, he says, Tychicus, who is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant, the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a friend and faithful brother and beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you, and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. When, and when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And then he concludes, this salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. In this passage, we're going to pick up some actions of what faithful friends are like in ministry. And, um, and all of these people have a story. <laughs> we heard a story this morning. Every one of you have a story. You have, we call it a testimony. Every one of you have something that's in your life that God has changed or he's working on, and you have a personal testimony. Every one of these people have a testimony. But we're not going to look at deeply into their testimony today. It's not going to be just a history lesson. We're going to pick up six different things that you and I can do to actually reflect the identity of Jesus Christ in our life. And faithful friends will do these things. So in your notes here, you can, you can jot these down. The first thing that we see here is that faithful friends share with one another. 
It's illustrated by Tychicus and Onesimus. Tychicus was, um, Paul calls him a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. Paul knew that he could count on him to deliver this letter and to give a reliable report about the circumstances and as well to seek information about the Colossians. Now you understand the people in Colossae, Paul had never been to that church. He did not start that church. That church was started by lay people who came from Ephesus and went and started three different churches in that area. The apostle Paul here did not know them and they did not know him, but they were friends. This is this level of friendship that I'm talking about here. He did not know Tychicus and he did not know Onesimus until he was already in the ministry. God brought them into his life. They were, to, um, they were, they were faithful men. Onesimus, of course, we'll talk about him next week a little bit more, but he was a faithful and a beloved brother. He was a runaway slave that had been restored. So in the family of God, we can see that friends share and they encourage one another. Let me ask you a question. How can you be that kind of a friend? That you can be trusted to share with another person the needs that you have. That you, can, that you can know and be counted on as a faithful person, as a beloved person, as a fellow servant of the Lord. These were lay people who came up and they, their complete lives were completely changed because of what Jesus had done for them. That's the level of friendship that he's talking about. Number two, a friend will accept one another. And we find that in, in the illustration with, with Aristarchus. Aristarchus is an interesting man. He was Paul's friend through the thick of it. We're introduced to him because he's called a fellow prisoner. And he was a fellow prisoner by choice and by circumstance. He was at e Ephesus. They met him at Ephesus. And at Ephesus, the, he was seized by an angry mob who was opposed to Paul's ministry. Didn't know Paul, but he accepted Christ as Savior. He was seized by that. He was thrown into prison. And then we find him throughout the rest of the book of Acts. He travels with Paul. He shipwrecked with Paul. He goes to Rome with Paul. His whole life was completely changed by the gospel. I wonder what kind of story he had. Well, we find here that, um, uh, that he was along with John Mark. And John Mark was one who had dropped away from, from Paul in his first um, ministry, or his first missionary journey. We'll, we'll talk about John Mark next, next, um, next um, week, but he was restored to ministry. And then we don't have a lot of information about this man named Jesus who was called Justice. But these men, here's the phrase I want you to note here. These three men, the Apostle Paul brings them up because he says, and I quote, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. You know who these men were? They were saved Jewish believers. Everywhere Paul went, he was run out of town by Jewish, angry Jews who, who did not like the message. But here's three men that Paul says has stuck with me. They served alongside the Gentile brothers and sisters in Christ in full acceptance. That is a miracle. That is an amazing thing to have happened there. And Paul mentions that. He says, these men have stood with me and they've learned to accept one another. True Christian friendship are people 
who accept one another in full acceptance. And then number three is they pray for one another. And we have one illustration with this. And, and prayer was my big topic last week. As, as the Apostle Paul talked about, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant with it with thanksgiving. He said, pray for us that an open door would be availed to us and that we would preach the gospel with boldness. And then he says in verses number 12 and 13, he said, there was one, there is one, Epaphras. Now, Epaphras was a member of the Colossae Church and he finds himself in Rome. Apparently, he went back to Rome to, to get advice because there were some issues going on in the church there at Colossae. And so Paul has now got himself a new friend. And there's a man who, he says, I've observed something. He was probably their pastor. And he said, I've observed something. He, number one is, he's a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He now serves Jesus Christ. He's not serving his own interests or whatever. And it's also changed his prayer life. He's fervent in his prayers for a couple things. For growth in their maturity and also that they would know the will of God. Now that tells me something. That you and I as Christian friends, when we think about one another, we don't just necessarily pray that we have a great day and do all this. We actually pray for deep things. That we would grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord that we would grow to know the will of God, that we as, as individuals can, 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 um, uh, can, can grow so that the ministry would expand. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Because that cannot be flippant. That's fervent. Are your phones still going off at 9.38 in the morning and 9.38 in the evening? Are you still remembering to pray for our missionaries and to pray through those various aspects that we have? Make that a part of your life because that's what Christian friends are all about. And then number four is Christian friends greet one another. And this is illustrated by Aristarchus, Epaphus, um, Luke, and Demas, especially in verses number 14 and 15 when he simply says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. You know, Christian friends go out of their way to greet people, not to say g'day. They go out of their way to greet people in the name of the Lord. Peter says in one aspect, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, some of you get into that and don't try it with me. But, but that's <laughs> what he means is it's different. And um, it's a cheerful greetings are an intricate part of the life of the church and the fellowship of the church that we actually greet one another, that we actually know one another and we actually miss one another luke and demas did not know these people but he greets them and then number five we only got two more edify edify one another it's illustrated by when paul was talking to archippus in verse number 16 and 17 actually verse 17 and he says here and say to archippus can you imagine this? Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. This was a young man who was Philemon's um, son. And he was left back there. He was probably the interim pastor. And he probably felt out of depth here. He probably felt like he's out of his league. There's all these issues going on in the church here and these, 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 um, these incredibly bad philosophies are coming in. And I'm totally, totally out of my depth here. And the Apostle Paul says, say to him, 
take heed to the ministry which you have received, you may fulfill it. The Lord's given you that ministry. The purpose of a Christian friend is to build up one another. In fact, in verse number 16, he says, read this epistle, don't keep it to yourself, share it with other churches, and read the epistles from the other churches. That's what we're doing here today, and we're being built up. So Christian friends don't just become friends because they have common interests. They become friends because they are wanting to see other people grow in Christ. Whole new level, isn't it? And then finally, this is the last one here, and I had to dig up to get this one, verse number 18. He says, this salutation by my own hand, Paul, and here's what he says here. He's never met them before. He says, remember my chains. Remember my chains. And he ends his letter like he does all his epistles. Grace be with you. Christian friends don't forget people who are in trial. Even though they may not see them. Even though they may not, they may not see them on a regular basis or, or even have met them at all. They remember when people are in trial. When God brings people to your mind, stop and pray for them. We see that so much. This is the wonderful thing about our church, what we can do with social media and the way we can instantly pray for one another when we have a prayer request. And when a person puts out a prayer request, he's basically saying, or she's basically saying, don't forget me. And we say, we're not forgetting you. So let's develop that attitude. Let's develop that habit in our lives that a spiritual friend needs. This coming week, go over that list of actions. There's, there's, there's six of them there. Write them down. Which ones can you practice right now? Think about the ones that you can practice right now as you go for coffee in, in just a few moments. And, and before you see somebody off today, now be a faithful frist, a Christian friend because faithful friends reflect who you are in Christ. This church is, a different, is different than any other organization in this community because we are the body of Jesus Christ. And so Paul here gives us some incredible um, instructions here just by illustrations of how you and I can be Christian friends. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that you've shown us how we can share with one another because we're in Christ. We can accept one another because in the body of Christ, we are one. We also, we can pray for one another because we know that your Holy Spirit guides us in our prayers and will bring people to our minds and our hearts and will give, give us the ability to share the burdens of other people. Lord, we learn to greet one another with, with, with the greetings of the Lord because we are truly concerned about their week. We're truly concerned about who they are and how they're growing. And we learn to edify and to build up one another through the teachings and through just discipleship, through our connect groups, through all the different ways that we can be involved because we're obeying your command to edify one another. And help us, Lord, never to forget those who are in stress, those who are, are going through trials right now. Bring them to our hearts and our minds that we may go out of our way to not only remember but to express ourselves as friends to them. And Lord, we thank you for the friendship that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. 
And as we place our faith and our trust in him, he becomes our life. He saves us from our sins and he gives us a new life and this wonderful privilege of being part of the church. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.